Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Alexa, who is Adam Ferrara? Adam Ferrara is an American actor and comedian known for playing the roles of Chief Needles Nelson on Rescue Me, Sergeant Frank Virelli opposite Edie Falco on Nurse Jackie. He was a co-host on the U.S. version of Top Gear. He has had three Comedy Central specials and his new album is called It's Scary in Here. Adam's new podcast is a big hit and available everywhere. Sounds like it could be funny. Sounds to me like 30 minutes you'll never get back. There you are. Now we can begin. (laughs) Thanks for coming back or checking us out for the first time. Either way, we're glad you're here, and we got another great show for you. My guest in the ADD interview is actor, writer, director, comedian. It's my pal, Steve Byrne. And, of course, we want to welcome everyone from our Talk To Me Tuesday family. That's our conversation we have every week, 9 o'clock Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Go to my website, click the link, and join us. And our superfan shout-out is for Gary Chillingsworth. Say hi to Gary. Hello, Gary. Gary, how are you, my friend? What's up, Gary? I'm glad we do this podcast because I'm going out of my friggin' mind not to be able to do stand up. I, I, I am. I just we'll I, have to I, keep him busy. I miss it. I mean, I went. I did something when this thing first hit. I went to Florida. You remember that? I mm-hmm. went to Florida. I opened for Everclear in Florida. Apparently, I have a price. <laughs> it's mean? too dangerous. We'll give you this much money. <laughs> Sounds great. Yeah. I'll see you there. That's what it was. That, that's exactly what I mean. I'm not a pandemic. What are you crazy? How much? All right. I'm... <laughs> it might, it's funny, man. I might I die. That... Okay, I'll risk it. Whatever. I'll be honest with you. I really wish there was another comma, but still. <laughs> but yeah, but not doing. You know, honey, I'm driving you crazy. Mm-mm. I have to keep you busy giving you certain tasks. Yeah, that this keeps me busy, and <laughs> laughing with you guys keeps me busy, and this keeps it. It services that need. I was at the drugstore the other day. This mm-hmm. this is when I realized that I I need to make people laugh. I was in a drugstore the other day, and there's there's older people sitting there, a couple mm-hmm. of walkers, a few hearing aids. The place smelled like Ben Gay. All right, so they were waiting for their <laughs> prescription. I went to get my prescription. They said, "Well, we're a little behind, sir." Can you please wait? I said, yeah, yeah, okay. And so I sat down next to one of the ladies, and I looked at her, and I go, how old were you when you came in here? <laughs> and she started laughing. That's great. So I just I just kept going. I go, listen, it's, it's I'm, I'm not judging you, lady. I just want to see what's ahead of me, because I don't know what a little bit means. I'm the only one here that couldn't vote for Truman. 
Oh, so I really want to know. <laughs> I just kept going to make them laugh. You did a quick five? Yeah, I did. I did a quick five. I felt better. Tried out it's some good, new stuff. It's a good tight set. <laughs> I just realized if I was there, I would have had to bring you on. That's what I just realized. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, you may, have, you may have seen this next guy on aisle five buying hydrocortisone. <laughs> and uh, most recently, he horrified me in a Dwayne Reed. Please welcome Adam Ferrara. Yeah. <laughs> That's quite an intro. (laughs) But yeah, I felt I I was getting the laughs in a live voice and I kept going and I Mm -hmm. made I made the older the older people laugh. Well, you you do that even around the house. You just can't help yourself. What? Making people laugh, making me laugh, making wherever we come in contact. I I got to the point when we go out look like, okay. Here we go. Just let him do his thing. Okay. All okay. right. I'll make sure he sees the light when I think they've had enough. <laughs> yes. I am that person. Yeah. Well, I will tell you, and, and you play along with me, too. My wife is really good. Like, we have this little routine we do whenever we got to go to rent a car. Mm-hmm. If you make the person laugh, nine times out of ten, I'll get a free upgrade. Ooh. Yeah. I like that. So, so they'll ask me, like, hi, sir. How was your day? I could lay down right now. Let's be honest. <laughs> Shirley, you have no idea what I've been through. Because you'll have a name tag, and, yeah. and she'll go, oh, my goodness, leave the lady alone. I go, Shirley asked, all right? You know why she asked? Because she cares. That's <laughs> yeah. why. So we'll, me, my wife and I will riff, and then she's like, you have a Hyundai? You can do better than that. How about <laughs> Chrysler 300? I'm like, Mopar or no car, baby? <laughs> Laughter is very powerful. Yeah, and, and, and it, makes, it makes the interaction better, especially every time you get somebody on the phone. Oh God! Like I had, I had to call, I had to call the Screen Actors Guild, so I had to call them and talk to them about something. And it's not that person's fault. That's what I keep telling myself before they get on the phone. It's not their fault. And I always do this. I go, look, Larry, I'm not blaming you. I know you had nothing to do with it. But that, those are the people you need to make it to make to help you. So yelling oh, at yeah. them isn't going to get anything done. And you know, like on a lot of those calls, they're being recorded. So I'll be clear. I'll be like, Larry, I love you. You've been doing a great job. This is for the SOBs listening. On oh, this yeah. Stuff. You guys. That's you know, who I'm talking You know how I close it? I go, and whoever's listening, Larry deserves a raise. You're lucky yeah. to have him, you sons of bitches. Yeah. Yeah. Kindness with rage. I like that. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Look, I'm going to yell, but I do care about you, Larry. <laughs> I love being at the checkout line with you. That's always fun. Maybe. There's always a yeah. If we're at Whole Foods together and we're checking out, there's always a back and forth, and we always get a laugh. And yeah. it, oh, it just you know, and you're making somebody's day because they're sitting there like, okay, next, next, and boom, you give them a laugh, and that's what it's all about. Yeah. And do it, you have a good time when you're with them, Mark? When you go to this checkout counter, do you have a good time with Adam? Yeah, you guys have fun together. Do you have a good time. What's that like? What's that like? <laughs> That good? You know what I get? I'm a juggler. He throws shit at me. That's what I get. Oh, that's right. When I'm f- like, what are you doing? What are you doing? He's throwing. We, I don't know what we bought. The dollar store. He had 38 items. He's chucking them at me. Yeah. He's that's chucking them at is. me. <laughs> and I'm like, what am I, a juggler? Stop it. And what do I do? Instead of walking away and letting them fall, I juggle them. <laughs> right. He tries to yeah. catch them. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm juggling all, everything. And then I'm, I'm, eating, I'm eating an apple in between. <laughs> and then he starts yelling, goes, stop it, stop it. And the guy, the guy behind the counter laughing his ass off. Yeah. There, he's hysterical laughing. So it's not like he said, sir, you can't do that. He's like, here, throw him this barbecue. See if he can yeah, get yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> here's, a, here's a knife and a bowling ball. <laughs> Come on. Here's a knife and a bowling ball. That's <laughs> <laughs> brilliant. That's hilarious. Yeah. You know where I got my best laughs ever? The emergency room. Okay, what? Yeah. yeah. The emergency room. I killed. I killed. Right. <laughs> okay. Should Maybe we ask him why he's no, in the emergency room? First, I want to rephrase that. The emergency room, I killed. Nah. Yeah. yeah. You don't want to kill in the emergency room. All right, so go ahead. I had been in a second car accident of the day, and I was in there at like- What? Hold it. Hold it. Wait, hold it. Second. I was in the second car accident of the day. Yeah. It was a big day. It was a big day for me. Goodness. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I should probably tell the story from yeah. the beginning, right? Yes. Yeah. I would think, I would think so. <laughs> so I'm in an intersection, and I'm trying to turn left. Light turns and I'm turning left and a guy doesn't see me and he guns it and hits me straight on. Ah, what kind yeah. of car were you driving? Fortunately, I was driving a very sturdy car called a Ford Escort. You're lucky to be alive. What are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, the car was trashed. I immediately stumble out of the car. I walk over and I'm like, you guys OK? And they're like, yeah, we're OK. Call my brother. The next phone call I make is to Tony Kornheiser because I was. Hey, Tony, I don't think I'm going to make it in. I just got in an accident. Tony, I love to death because in the big moments, he comes through. He just said, you're an idiot. What are you calling me for? Get off the phone. Get in the ambulance. Go to the hospital. All right, boss. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I get in the ambulance. They take me to the hospital where I'm examined. Mm -hmm. And then I'm released. Thank God, because I actually had an appearance I had to do that night. Was it a traffic school? <laughs> no, it was some stupid radio trivia appearance, you know? Like, okay. Hey, everybody. Uh, it's great to see you out here at the front page. Man, <laughs> it's fantastic. So, uh, and I told some buddies during the course of the day what had happened to me. They said, we're taking you out for a big dinner afterwards, and we're going to get you hammered because you almost died today. He's a good friend. <laughs> He's a good so, friend. Look, you possibly have a head wound. We're going to get you shit fed. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Good people. So I do the gig. We go to dinner, get hammered. They pour me into a cab. Now, right. this place is maybe five minutes from my house. Mm -hmm. Immediately after I get in the cab, he hits a car. I'm in the backseat. I'm flying all over the place. Cops come. They ask me. I'm a little tipsy. They're like, sir, are you OK? I'm like, I don't know. It's my second <laughs> car accident today. Hey, oh, what's going on? <laughs> Suddenly I became Harry Carey all of a sudden. Yeah, everybody. <laughs> That's what's up? <laughs> so they're like, all right, get in the get in the ambulance. We're sending you to the hospital again. I'm like, hey, I know the drill. So, <laughs> played it many times. So I'm like chatty Kathy with the ambulance guys. They're laughing. But finally, I get to the I get to the emergency room. It's a busy night. There's a lot of people there. Mm -hmm. So they don't get to me right away. And Did they like say midnight. when you walked in, like Hey, what are you back. doing here? <laughs> like, they, actually, what they said to me when I got in there was, hey, make sure you punch your card. Fifth one, you get this next one for free. Okay? <laughs> Goodness. So uh, I hang around for an hour, and I'm pestering the nurse, and I'm like, you know, are they going to get to me sometime soon? And she's like, we'll get to you as soon as we can, sir. So then I look around, and I'm like, I got an audience here. 
And I, I forget what I said and what I started doing. But the next thing you know, there's about 15 people there. Mm-hmm. They're rolling on the floor. And I just killed that night. It was awesome. And then at about 2 a.m., I looked up and they still weren't close to getting to me. Right. And I just snuck out and went home. Oh, hmm. I would I would have left right after my biggest laugh. The hell with it. <laughs> I should have. Yeah, Good night, everybody. Me. That's it. You go out <laughs> on your closet. That's right. I know. <laughs> I know. But it's you find the laughs where you can. And it was honestly, it was the greatest feeling in the world. Despite the unbelievably awful day I had had to make those people laugh. It just it made everything worthwhile. Yeah. I'm so glad you shared that story, Mark. That internal feeling of making people laugh and the impact laughter has on other people is the basis of my pal Steve Burns movie, uh, The Opening Act. And I'm so grateful he's made some time to stop by and tell us about it. So you guys listen to this and we will see you on the other side. In life in general, and in the world of energy medicine, choosing to laugh is far easier, sustainable, reliable, and long-term approach to unlocking the many healing benefits that laughter has to offer. It works across people's lifespan. How old were you when you came in here? (laughs) (laughs) You're listening to the Adam Ferrara Podcast. This is 30 Minutes You'll Never Get Back. 30 minutes, my ass. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hi, guys. I got some stand-up dates for you. February 25th through the 27th, I will be at Helium in Philadelphia. March 3rd through the 6th, I will be at Helium in St. Louis. And I will be back at the Tempe Improv in Tempe, Arizona, March 25th through the 27th. There's a link to tickets right here in the show notes, or you can go to my website, click the link there. And if you can make any of these gigs, please come up after the show and let me thank you for all the love and support you've shown me and this podcast. Let's listen to Steve Byrne. ADHD, it's not just for kids. Nice boy, but doesn't listen to a word you say. Welcome to the ADD interview. It's not that you're not interesting, it's just that I can't focus. And my guest this week is... Oh, look, a bird! My guest this week is an actor, writer, comedian, and filmmaker. You know him from his many Comedy Central specials, as well as the TV show Sullivan and Sons. His latest project is the independent feature-length film called Opening Act that he wrote and directed himself. He's a very funny man. He's a really nice guy, but he will throw down hockey style. The pride of Pittsburgh <laughs> himself. It's my friend, Mr. Steve Byrne. How are you, baby? It's good. It's good to be with you, Adam. Good to Thank see you. Thank you so much. Yeah, good to see you again. And uh, yeah, 
You uh, two things. One, you're funny. Two, you're scrappy. And you made yourself a film. Well, it's three things. Yeah, I'll take it. It's a trifecta of uh, of friendship there. Yeah, so thank you very much. I that, appreciate it. That's true. I, I have to go back. It's the triple. I, I, was, I just bet the Daily Double. That's why that was in my head. <laughs> that's right. Last time I saw you, we were grown men having milkshakes in St. Louis. It's, yes, I was going to ask you the whole, I mean, because, and you were just beginning to write the film, so I was there for that, but why do I remember me and you at a 50s diner somewhere in St. Louis? <laughs> it's right, I think I was with, God, I forget who, who was opening for me, I think my buddy Joel Osborne mm -hmm. was with me, opening for me, and you were at a, a club, and I was at St. Louis, like Helium, or Funny Bone, and you were at the other club, right. whichever one, yeah. we were at e each other, and every time I go into town, I see who's working the other club. Yeah. And if I like the person, I'll I'll reach out to them. If I don't, I'm just like, well, I hope they have good shows. And then <laughs> we ended up, we had ribs. Yeah. And then we walked down the main drag and looked at all the bars and stuff. And we ended up at a 50, 50s diner having some milkshakes. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, I remember that. And I remember um, we, 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 made the, we made the hostesses laugh. Uh, I yes. remember that, and we ended up taking pictures with Furbies. I, th that was a strange thing. That's right, on the street. That's right. Yeah, there was some weird convention yeah. uh, in town. So that, oh my God, that's right. And I, I think I got it. Santa Claus with, was with the Furbies. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, everyone's looking for a little edge. Um, that's right. <laughs> and when you were writing this film at the time, this film called Opening Act, uh, which you can get right now, uh, it's a video on demand. Video on demand, Amazon, iTunes, all that stuff, yeah. Okay, and you were writing this film then, uh, and now that it's out, I wanted to ask you, because I remember you were sitting there, Adam, I'm writing. Because <laughs> it's like, you, <laughs> you, it was like a, a big thing, because you, you, this is the first film you wrote, and you wanted to sit down to do it, and I remember being struck by that. Yeah, I think, you know, uh, I, I've only, I've always been somebody, the only work I've gotten is from when I put pen to paper, mm -hmm. so... Uh, if I wanted to get on a TV show, I had to write a TV show. If I wanted to work on a film, I had to write a film. And I just thought, what's the one thing I'd want to write about? And I always want to see a great film dedicated solely to stand-up comedy. And that was the goal. That was the purpose. And thus, the opening act. Yeah. And uh, and I, uh, it stars Jimmy O. Yang as, as you, as your story, your first road story. Is that accurate? Yeah, it's like it's the culmination of all the bad events that have happened to me over the last 23 years encapsulated in 90 minutes, or mm -hmm. I should say 80, 88 minutes. But but yeah, I think I think most people, they've been to a comedy club. They've never been on the road. And that's what this film is about. It's it's about that last job, leaving that last job, hearing your calling, taking a chance on yourself, going out to the first professional comedy club you've ever been to. And I wanted to show the audiences it's not just about the 10 minutes you're on stage mm -hmm. there's so many other hurdles you have to deal with it's groupies it's bachelorette parties it's all the elements of all the things that people are not accustomed to like doing morning radio for the first time mm -hmm. like a lot of stamps the first time you do morning radio it's another muscle just like doing roasts oh yeah you know just because you can do stand-up doesn't mean you can roast people it doesn't mean you can do morning radio and you've got to learn how to do it, and especially your first few times, you're going to fail miserably at it. So it was just taking all those lessons learned, all those firsts that a young comic has, and putting them into 90 minutes and, and all the worst experiences I've had, um, nothing good happening after midnight, going out to the clubs afterwards, all the crazy shit. So even though the experience of ending up underneath a trailer, fearing for my life while a couple above me had sex and I was stuck in the woods and I couldn't leave because I would <laughs> get shot... It's like 
yeah, that happened to me, but every comic in the world has had an incident just like that happened to them. Okay, All right, Steve, that's never happened yeah. to me. Okay, that's never. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> I, I've never been under a trailer. Listen, when you're done, I'll leave quietly. <laughs> Can I hold the camera? Well, the yeah. thing the thing that you said is uh, you've been to a Santa club, you've never been on the road because the, the, the performance, that's the prize. It's, it's all the other shit we got to wade through to get there. You know, the traveling, the being by yourself. Yes. The, it's easy. The excitement of being on for the first time. The uh, what, I, what I liked about the movie is you captured that excitement. You captured that, that feeling. Because I, I remember that feeling of being on the I remember the first, uh, I used to love when I would get gigs that had the word comedy club in the, in the place you were going. Cause, yeah. Because it was usually bars and stuff, but it was comedy club. Like, oh, they're used to sitting down and listening, you know? Yeah, to not have that one-nighter. Oh. at a holiday inn with bananas and hear that hear that song oh god that and and you got to put the bananas on the table so people know it's a con it's like oh yeah. christ but yeah you're right to go to an actual comedy club in the tri-state area that's where i started and i assume you started there obviously mm -hmm. as well um but yeah you know you, you do those one-nighters you go around and i remember the first the first guy i worked with that i had seen on tv mm. was bob nelson and I'm sure you know who Bob Nelson is. My and helmet and my shoulder pads. That's right. Yeah, he did the. I, I was. I remember seeing the the Dangerfield Young Comedian special when I was a kid with my dad, and mm -hmm. just like, man, this guy's hilarious and so funny. And then I went out, and I couldn't wait to like meet Bob Nelson and work with Bob Nelson. And then you meet him, and 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 then you saw the other side of like yeah. the blind optimism that I had and the defeated version of what I was seeing with Bob. And I'm not saying he's a bad guy. I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying that I had this vision of what this guy would be because I was holding on to what I saw from Dangerfields and yeah. the feeling I had when I was an eight-year-old, but then seeing this kind of like, you know, I guess weathered version of himself. And I know he's gone on and he's done a lot of great stuff and had a great career. Again, not knocking him, but I just saw someone who was probably a little more haggard and maybe over it and mm -hmm. wasn't as elated as I was to be working there that weekend, you know? Yeah. So it, it, that, that to me was like the first time I saw, I guess the reality of what stand up could become mm -hmm. if, uh, if I would let that happen. Yeah. If, if you don't keep your eye on what the prize is, I mean, I got to remind myself, uh, Every time I'm on stage, you go, this is why I do it. You know, when you get that laugh, when you, the best times for me, Steve, and I, I think we might even, we talked about this over an ice cream in St. Louis, mm -hmm. I think. But the best time, the best <laughs> as times. As men do. Yeah, as men do. We were, uh, when I'm improv with an audience and I don't know where it's going. And yeah. that's, that's, I don't know where it's going, but we're all moving in the same direction. That's like, that's magic. And that's, that, 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 those are the moments that uh, I know that's why I'm on a plane every week yeah i think i i was talking to a musician uh, who, you know a popular musician about this the other day i said i hate everything about my profession except the performance mm -hmm. like i love the hour i'm on stage it's the it's getting up to, you know it's the flight being canceled it's going through security it's checking the hotel and they don't have my reservation i gotta call the comedy club it's putting comps down and oh we forgot to do that like the non-stop disappointments that you deal with yeah. over the course of a three-day weekend and going in to do morning radio and you feel like you're <laughs> a nuisance or whatever to it's just all the non-stop trivial 
things that are part, the peripheral part of the job. The job itself, I love, but just getting on a plane yeah, every week and staying of in a show hotel. Business. The business of show business is a pain in the ass. Yeah, you could put me, like, it's funny. I was listening to this Michael Buble song called Home, mm-hmm. and, you know, it's a sad, dreary kind of song. He's a talented guy, and, boy, he, he got it right in that song because you could put me up in a four-star hotel, and after the first 24 hours, you're just kind of like, it's just not home, though. Yeah. And it's nice. It's great. I can take a bath in here and feel fine. I, I, I don't feel dirty after taking a bath in Europe, but it's still like, yeah. Yeah. I'd rather be home with the kids. I'd rather be home too. And by the way, I'm not taking a bath. Don't you walk into a room so nice? You're like, oh god, I I got to take a bath. I got I got to I got to use. That, I don't. Right? I don't. You know what I do? It's like when I when I get those gigs where you get the big suite in the hotel and everything. I go, yeah. oh, I wish my wife was here. They have a tub. She would love that tub. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, the thing, uh, one of the things um, that you captured is, and 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 you do this in your stand up too. Is uh, there's the funny, and then there's the heart of everything. Uh, one of the things I, I really loved about the uh, the movie was uh, when the father and the kid uh, bonded over comedy. Yeah, and I think that if I remember correctly, you your your dad did that for you. Your dad was a comedy fan. Yeah, I mean, still here. Not not like everything that happened in the film once he's on the road definitely happened to me. But there's elements of of the beginning that happened. But my father, my brother, and I, when we were much younger. My dad introduced me to a and E's Evening at the Improv with Bud Friedman, Caroline's Comedy Hour, um, USA Up All Night with Rhonda Shear. Like, I watched all those things mm-hmm. religiously. But again, never intending to be a stand-up, just a fan of it. And not even like a huge fan. Just like, if it was on, I'd watch it. Right. And I loved it. But I never thought in a million years I'd ever, ever be doing this, nor did my my father at all. I mean, nor did my mom. But mm-hmm. But to know that years later... Like, and you know this better than most people, but, you know, when you start off in New York, those bringer shows, you got to do them. And I didn't know anybody. I didn't have any friends in New York. So Mm -hmm. my parents were my two paying customers the first six months (laughs) of my time in New York City. So every Saturday, we'd go to New York Comedy Club, and they would sit through two and a half hours of atrocious comedy. Patrice O'Neill would (laughs) shit on my mom. And she hated him. Every time she'd leave and Patrice did a set, she's like, I hate that big black man. <laughs> <laughs> my dad got a kick out of him, but my mom oh. not so much because he'd make fun of her English and everything. And you know how Patrice is. is. <laughs> he's oh, he's relentless. Best, yeah. He saw my mom after after like months in New York Comic Club, he saw her in the front row and goes, oh, not you again. <laughs> <laughs> your, mom, your mom's Asian. Your dad is Irish. Yeah. Yeah. So there was funny in the house. There was uh, not really. No, <laughs> no. I mean, my dad. My dad's definitely a lot more of the cut up. Just a really good guy, you know. Mm-hmm. And my mom is pretty stern and tiger momish and everything. And I think because she was so strict, uh, I think that's where the sense of humor came up. Because like I was like, all right, I gotta, I gotta cut the blue wire on this bomb and make things a little lighter in the, right. in the house and. That was kind of my responsibility. So, yeah, I I took upon it myself. But but to have them be so supportive all these years and then, like, I remember when when they came to the pilot taping of Sullivan and Son and they're seeing visions of themselves, you know, via Dan Laurie and Jody Long in the show, they were really over the moon about that. So that was a nice moment where I was able to pull them on set and take pictures and say, you know, thank you for being there this first six and a half months of me being my two paying customers. Look, could you ever imagine this is where we would ever, you know, 
be part of my career. So that was, that was a really nice moment. And even the, the film coming out and them getting to see it and tell all their friends and stuff, it just, from the beginning of the, of the journey to look back on it and know that they were so supportive, it, it definitely means a lot to me. That's great. Let me ask you this. When you were casting your parents, did you yeah. ask them? Because I had to do this. I had to pilot it at Warner Brothers, and I had to cast my parents. And yeah. I made the mistake of asking them. So, this, oh, Steve, this is what I got. My mother, and I would get calls. Why would you do that? I, because what do I know? I, I didn't know any better. I said, oh, this will be fun. This ain't fun. This ain't fun. Being respectful. This first, ain't fun. No. They didn't, first of all, they couldn't figure out the time difference, so I'm getting woken up in the morning because they were in New York and I was in L.A. And my mother would call me up. Adam, you know who everyone tells me I look like? Elizabeth Taylor. Call her. <laughs> If you want to call her now, Ma, I'll, I'll, I'll hold you can conference me and I'll tell her what to do to be me. Ma. And my father's like, ah, it's too bad Steve McQueen's dead. I'm like, why? Did he know someone that might have looked like you? Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it's funny, but to but to have that moment and and. I think it's just a great experience that you that you get to have where you get to pay homage yeah. to the folks, you know. And and were your folks super supportive? Oh yeah, they were they were really supportive. They were the, yeah. my father it's my father did something for me, Steve, I never saw coming. Um when I told him I wanted to be a, a comic, I figured I'd get all kinds of reasons why I'm not. He took a long drag of his lucky and he said, yeah. "Do it now. Just do it right now before your life gets complicated and give it While everything you've you yeah. got." Yeah. He said, the worst right, feeling yeah. you're going to have is one day you're going to look in the mirror, there's going to be an old man looking back at you, and you don't want to think if I only tried a little bit harder. Yep. That's, I mean, that's that's like the backbone of of the opening act. There, there's this great song by the Killers that came out recently called Caution, mm-hmm. and it's all about that moment in, in your life. And there's a line in the song, it's some kind of sin to live your whole life on a might have been. Yeah. And I think it's just... That's it. And and at the end of the day, no matter how successful we are as comics, because I think you and I have both been in this the comedy game for a while. We're all stocks. We go up, we go down, we yeah. fluctuate. The clubs will always be there for us. But I, I, I think, you know, the fact that we took that chance, the fact that we never look, we, we, we won't we won't ever have that moment where we're 50 look at ourselves in the mirror and go, man, I just wish I would have tried that. Like we yeah. did it. We, we made a living doing stand-up comedy. It's like, what, what better job? And much like the dishwasher job, you can do it hungover. You can drink on the job. <laughs> you, you know, it's, it's the greatest job in the world. Yeah, they give it to you. They but, give it to you. Yeah. <laughs> but I will tell you, um, Nikki six wrote, you know, I'll just, I'll grab my guitar. I'll go on the road. I'll learn my lessons that way. I remember, uh, I, I read that in his book, but, the, yeah. One of the things that does happen to me, and I saw this in the movie as well, was your, your reason. You, you learn your lessons through our art, through our work, but the yeah. things change. Um, I think it was uh, Billy Gardell, who's I think we both have a mutual admiration for. Sure. For me and you discussed um, him saying, I used to go on stage to make me happy, and now I go on stage to make them happy. Yep. And that's... The th- being a vessel is what is the is what I'm chasing to allowing it to come through me to touch other people because it puts the job into a uh, into a context of service and gratitude for me, and I think yeah. that that that's captured in the movie as well. Yeah, uh, Billy G, the character Cedric plays, is named after Gardell specifically because that line that line is it was like burning in my head like a one hit wonder. But you've always been that conduit. You've always been like when you go to the cellar and you see. Patrice, mm-hmm. 
Norton, Voss, Keith, uh, you can go on and on with some very, very talented guys, but you know, the tone can be acidic mm-hmm. <laughs> at times, if yep. not more so. Sure. And I was always somebody that was there on a nightly basis because uh, I was young, I was single, I didn't have much going on, and I just wanted to be around stand-up. So I was always there, and as I got to know those guys more and the camaraderie and tone of maybe what was at the cellar, I always appreciated watching, as much as I love watching those guys, someone like you, someone like uh, even like a Corielli or a Ben Bailey, mm-hmm. who wasn't necessarily a part of that crew. We all yeah, get we, we all sat at the table. You, you would always be nice, a nice cloudburst throughout the course of the evening because you, again, you incorporated the audience. You were never afraid to jump in the audience. And I think you had, I, I wouldn't say your comedy is lighthearted, but you always brought like a lighthearted tone yeah. uh, to what you're bringing on stage that counterbalanced and swung the pendulum back the other way from Patrice or Norton or Voss, whatever. <laughs> and as a young comic, I always appreciated watching guys like yourself especially yourself and i think i told you this a handful of times after i'd follow you at gotham or before i'd go on you know at the cell whatever whenever we crossed paths in new york city at the time was i was like man you always reminded me of robert williams because once you got on stage you get that mic and it was just like watch out the wrecking ball is here and you would just you were just a to z one once you grab the mic until you left the microphone in the stand it was nonstop energy, euphoria, fun, positivity. And then it was almost like, okay, give the audience a minute to, to, to catch their <laughs> breaths again, you know, and then shift into another, into another comic. But man, I really, really enjoyed you watching all those times uh, growing up at the, at the cellar. And obviously I learned from everybody, yeah. uh, but there was always like little things I would take from everybody where I was like, oh, that's, that's fucking great. I really appreciate the positivity that you that you bestowed the audiences on a nightly basis, and I'm sure you still do. Oh, thank you, pal. Thanks for the kind word. Yeah, it's you know what it is because I'm I'm still Steve. How long we we've been in country over twenty years, and I'm still happy to be able to do it. You know, to be yeah. able to six. It's the other thing is about and I, and this was in the movie as too is is what is success. You know what is success because we're always chasing, we're always doing. We're always you got the TV show. What is success? And I think it's very important for me anyway was to get a definition of success. Yeah, I, I you know it's funny before I moved out of uh, before I moved from Los Angeles, my I'm uprooting my family. We're going to Tennessee, mm-hmm. and I brought my kids. Even though it's closed, I took my kids to Carney's on Sunset because I love the hot dogs there. Mm-hmm. And then I walked them over to the comedy store. And I pointed up to where my name Your is name's up, up there, on yeah. the wall. Yeah, next to Bill Burr. Uh, I think we passed around the same time. And I walked them around and I took pictures of them there. And I said, you know, right now you maybe aren't able to understand the gravity of where you're standing. But your father is part of a fraternity uh, of, of the best comics in the country that are allowed to perform on this space. And, you know, I was driving home that night. I showed my wife the pictures and I was like, man the best comedy club in New York city is the cellar. Mm-hmm. I mean, Gotham, Caroline's, those are great clubs, but they're headliner showcase kind of, yeah. these are the clubs where they take the best in the city and put them there. And for me, the barometer of success has always been, well, I did that and I did that. And I'm really fucking happy. Anything else is gravy. I'll always continue to work hard. But the fact that I get to hold my head high saying I perform with the best, I get to, I get to share the stage with the best. 
I might not have the credits that they do, but I'm, I'm in the mix and I'm part of it. And I get to hold that baton for 15 minutes a night. Like I, that to me has always told me I'm pretty damn successful. Cause as a comic, I think that's, that's, yeah. that's it. I mean, what more do you need than that? Everything else, of course you want to show, of course you want movies, of course you want, you know, respect from your peers, but I mean, don't, don't negate the fact that, that we did that. It's pretty awesome. You know what I did? I, and I still got them too. I used to, I used to take my cue cards from every time I did Letterman or the Tonight Show, oh, yeah. Fallon. I used to, and I, and, and I just did uh, Corden and uh, <laughs> there's no more cue cards. Everything's on an iPad. So I'm like, well, there goes oh, that. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, we all, we want those pelts on our wall. And as we get older, uh, I, I, actually, as I've been doing this, I'm, I'm not a, I'm, I'm grateful I've done it, but my, now my definition of success is being able to enjoy where I am, what I'm doing and what I have. Yeah. I think staying present for sure yeah. is a big part of it because it's so easy for us to look in the rear view mirror or mm -hmm. look ahead of us and see who's doing something to our left and right. But I think I learned early on that we're all just golfing. You're just competing against yourself. And once I, I forget who told me that early on, it's probably Gardell, to be honest with you. Listen, listen, Steve, yeah. listen. <laughs> he's, he's the greatest, but, but staying present. And even like I was talking to a musician about this and tell me if you found yourself doing this. There are, there are times where I've been doing this so long and, and especially once I get in the mode, I'll be telling a joke and my, my body's telling the joke, mm -hmm. my brain's telling the joke, my yeah. mouth's moving and I'm telling the joke, but I am not there. I am thinking I'm going to get a steak after this. What's open? Do I feel like Mexican? And it's the craziest thing to, to pull yourself out of your body. Yeah. And the last year or two, I've trained myself to say the minute I start straying, stay focused, stay present, stay here on stage, give them everything. Do not, do not be a shell performing. And I found myself doing that. And I, I talked to a musician and he said, yeah, there's times where their hand is moving along the fretboard of a guitar yeah. and they're doing the song and they're singing, but they're not even there. It's fucking weird, right? Yeah. Does that happen to you? It's happened to me. You know who else it happened to? Uh, who, uh, Billy Joel. Stop doing just the way you are because while he's doing, don't go changing. Maybe I'll get the club yeah. sandwich. Try and please <laughs> me. Nah, that doesn't travel well from room service. You might add. That's why he stopped doing that song. Wow. Okay. You know what you know what I've done now is because that's uh now when I leave my body, I don't leave the show. Like I'm outside of my body and I'm in the room right. now. So now I yeah. can, it's not like it's not like when you're bombing and you're editing in your head or when you're doing a corporate gig and you go, wait a minute, I say fuck here, I can't say fuck. You know, it's right, not, it's right, not yeah. like when you're ahead of yourself. You're still in the moment, but now you're kind of in the witness with the audience. I was just at the Mohegan Sun, and I did that twice on the on the uh, on the Saturday show. I got out, I got out of my body twice, and I could make yeah. the show better because I was like, "Oh, I know what this line's gonna be." <laughs> Boom! Because I was I was just riffing with the audience, and I and the callbacks come up to you, so I could pull those things and make it look like magic. Yeah, yeah, I, I think you develop that that arsenal of weaponry after so many years, and Again, I think that's the fun of like seeing the film of like a kid that's a blank slate. He just doesn't have yeah. those weapons. He has nothing. Yeah. You're starting with literally zero. And then after 23 years, if a, if a, dro if a glass drops the, from the waitress, I know how to handle that. Mm -hmm. If somebody's getting up from the front row, I know how to handle that. Yeah. Like all the like little subconscious things. Because if somebody gets up 
to take a piss. Even if I look over and watch them, now the audience is watching them as I'm doing the joke. Now, if I see somebody in peripheral move over here, I instantly will w- look over to this side of the mm-hmm. room to, to take them even more away from that person yeah. to keep more focused on the joke. It's like all those subtle little things you learn over the years that uh, I think leave you in better command of the show. And I, I was reading this thing the other day. Someone tweeted this. I won't say who tweeted this, but okay. a comedian tweeted this. And it was something they did on TV, like, ah, the audience sucked, but I still rock. It's like, no, <laughs> I hate when comics say that. It's like, no, it's your job as a professional performer mm-hmm. to to do the best you can, right? And don't ever blame the audience. I, I always think it's like, well, yeah, there, there are those cases, but it's your fault. It's your fault if you don't get them. It's your fault if you don't win them over. It's your fault if you don't figure out within the five minutes or 15 or 20 or 30 to cut the blue wire and yeah. make it a success. So I, I, I hate when people do that. Yeah, it's it's divide and conquer. Like if there's one drunk, now my job is I'm going to turn the focus on this guy and make the pack turn on him. That's what That's I do. Right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, there's always a bathroom tile missing in, in the bathroom. And, you know, that happens every show. And I, I think I have the same mentality where it's like, you're not having fun? Okay, I'm going to force you to have fun. Oh, we're, yeah. We're going to figure this out. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's the one. I I find the guy or the girl that ain't laughing, and then I'm gonna make the I'm gonna make the drink come out of their nose. I'm gonna do it. <laughs> I'm gonna do it. Yeah. 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 Challenge accepted. Yeah. But the 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 art of what we have and how we do everything and and, and the creation of the stuff to get there. It's like you 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 said something that 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 I love. Write in a book. Don't write on your phone because I still write in a book. Yeah, that I, connection I is very that, important to me, and I don't know why. Yeah, I agree. I think the minute you put pen to paper and you really draft it out, as opposed to doing this on your phone, yeah, I personally have found it doesn't mean as much. It doesn't give me the liberty to have that free form mm-hmm. to keep going down the rabbit hole. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm glad you enjoy that because yeah, it's sometimes woo, it goes over people's Yeah, heads. this the thumbs. It's 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 it, it could be a Game Boy. It could be you know. It, there's no emotional connection. A pen and a paper. I'm like this is important. This is yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, this is art, Stephen. As uh, Tarantino says, it's the antenna to God. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If you're willing to put yourself uh, in into that 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 space. Um, yes. So first time writer, first time director. Yeah. How is that working with comics? Uh, I got to tell you, it was great. I I think you would think it's just like corralling monkeys, but Mm -hmm. it was honestly a lot of fun because I think once the comic saw the gravity of the set and knowing it's like, okay, sit, take your place. The great thing about it was I didn't have to tell a bunch of actors, okay, we're doing a morning radio scene. You've been drinking at four in the morning. You're up at six in the morning and now you're here and you're going to be funny. And these people are never paying attention. Like with comics, it was like, guys, you've done morning radio you know the drill. Let's just try this out. Yep. And so the direction I had wasn't much. Um, and thank God Jimmy O. Yang was our lead because he really set a professional tone by the fact that he was always on time, always knew his lines, and he cared about every scene. So we would discuss scenes with whoever he was mm-hmm. uh, partnered with, but um, we'd have those discussions in our dry runs before we brought the you know, the crew in to see the scene. So um, he was great. The comics were great. And you know, one thing I've been asked a lot about the film is uh, the only thing I didn't write was the stand-up sets. Right. Like when Jimmy, Alex, and Cedric did their stand-up, I didn't write any of their sets. Um, if anything, 
when when Jimmy was supposed to be bombing because we shot those in front of a real audience, I always said, Jimmy, let's just take jokes from earlier in your in your set that didn't go well and just do those jokes. So he did. Thank God. But the only stand up I wrote was the very last set that he does on Sunday wow. uh, that that was based off the narrative. And thank God that worked, because if that scene on Sunday night doesn't work, then the whole film doesn't work. Yeah. Well, also, the stories you said uh, were true, too. And the one thing that uh, if there's any comics listening, don't go to a party after the show when you don't have a ride home. That, that, that's so true. Do not... That's so true, because when that trailer thing happened to me, I was stuck on a trailer. This must have been 99 or 2000, so I didn't have a cell phone. No. So that's what made the situation worse. I had to walk. I had to wait two hours until they got done banging and sleeping. Then I had to walk two hours to the gas station. It was so horrible. But I, I remember the story. In, in the movie, I think in the movie, I think it was a cop. But I remember when, we, when you told me the story, it was a Marine. It was a Marine because as soon as I got in to her trailer, I saw these guns and you know shell casings on the table and then i saw like a semper fi flag and, and I was prisoners like, oh. of war in the kitchen <laughs> yeah. yeah so it was not the best of situations to be in but uh yeah again that was uh, like a lesson learned that's why that happened jimmy's first night out um and then the second night out it kind of happens to him but he knows now he learns his lesson and pulls away and goes home and you see him writing in his notebook so he learned from that yeah. Okay. So he went home with a girl. Wait a minute. I got a boyfriend, and he's armed. And that now now you're underneath the trailer. <laughs> yeah. And you got to listen yeah. to that. Yeah. I I remember. I just remember learning the lesson. I don't know how it happened. All I know is me and Jimmy Schubert after the Tempe Improv were in the back of a pickup truck going to a party out into the desert. And I'm like, listen, I, Italians <laughs> don't like going into the desert, Jimmy. We don't think we're coming back. And he's like, yeah. just stay with me. Just stay with me. And we're both walk. I, I forgot how the hell we got home. But I'm like, I'm not doing this again. You couldn't find two more East Coast comics yeah. to end up in a desert than it, Jimmy Schubert and Adam Ferrara. That's yeah. great. <laughs> <laughs> but the movie, it captures a great deal of uh, a great deal of the emotion. And, 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 and like I said, the clips I saw really, really warmed my heart and made me laugh. As your stand-up does, we ha you have a bit in your stand-up that happened to my wife and I, it's the homeless guy. Oh, when, yeah. When the yeah. homeless guy is, I don't want to butcher your joke, but if there's a homeless guy taking a dump in the street <laughs> in the middle of the, yeah. and he looks up and like, wife. my wife is absolutely horrified and I could not stop laughing because <laughs> he's hitting, literally hitting on my wife. Like, <laughs> hey, baby doll. It's like, what? I was like, the balls on it, literally the balls on this guy. Um, but the fact that we were going back, we, we go to eat and she couldn't even eat. And then we're walking back home and then we see him getting arrested. And then he still like, remembered her like, Hey, beautiful. It's like, <laughs> this guy, this guy does not quit. He should, he should get into show business. Cause he has no, no in his vocabulary. But oh. my, my wife, it's like when she does come on the road with me, especially when I did that joke, people would always be like, did that really, she's like, yes, yeah. it really happened. It's disgusting. But I think that's the fun of it is that she's she's secure enough in herself that that I'm able to take things from real life that have been, uh, you know, at times even more personal. And she's pretty cool with it. Is your wife pretty cool with? Yeah, she is. I mean, what, what happened to us is we turned the corner once in Santa Monica, right? There was a lady in the, leaning in an alley, leaning up against the wall, peeing. And I, we turned the corner. My wife went oh, and I went and I went. Hey, you left the bathroom door open. And my wife grabbed me and pulled me away. But I used to, I did this joke about um, when I bought her engagement ring, the, the jeweler asked me a question, what size is her hand? 
And, yeah. you know, the diamond has to sit in proportion. And, you know, my wife, she's, I had to buy a bigger diamond. So I'm, I said, great, now I'm, I'm marrying Ben Roethlisberger. Look at this. This is going to cost me a fortune. <laughs> so I start doing the joke, and I, yeah. I did it. She was at the, it was on the Rescue Me comedy tour. So we were in, uh, we were at the, in the arena at Mohegan Sun. I do the joke, and Lenny Clark and Dennis Leary are standing there, and my wife is standing there, too, and I did the joke, and they just went, looked at her hand, and she just picked, picked her hand and went, she went like that. Okay, look. <laughs> Here. <laughs> and you know those guys are relentless, you know? Oh, God, Lenny. Lenny's the, oh, my God. <laughs> just like he's one of those guys where you see him, you're like, yeah, that's why he works. Yeah. That's why he's always been working. He just has it in his bones, just mm -hmm. aesthetically, visually. He's the guy every casting director wants to come through his door, through their doors. Yeah. And well, I think you, you have the same thing as far as, as, as being the entertainer. It's in your bones. You're doing what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah, I think so. I, I, I think at times, you, you, you know, <laughs> like obviously the older you get, you know, it, it becomes a little more difficult at mm -hmm. times to get yourself up for it. Like, I, I asked Cedric the Entertainer. We were doing this um, conference about the opening act and promoting. I said, "Jesus Christ, what's worse than a Friday Friday Late Show?" He mm. said, "Saturday Third Show." Yeah. <laughs> it's like I was like, only only like a true veteran would know that yeah. to say that line, and that's that's true. It's like sometimes those Saturday Minute shows that got them like you get booked on. You're like, God damn it, why do I have to do this? Yeah. And it's just a bar fight. But again, it's like. That's the gig, right? Yeah, and that's it, the gig. Remember, I, remember, I remember when I was a kid, we would do nooners at a college. And it, the nooners at a college, they're in the cafeteria, just like, hi, we're going to annoy you while you eat. Nobody wants us there. They nobody, got, nobody. Yeah, it's, it's, but that's the gig. That's, that's what's in front of you. What I learned from stand-up uh, that was reinforced by the pandemic was, what can I make out of this? Boy, if... Uh... If we haven't proved that uh, comedy is an essential business after all this, I don't know what will. Yeah. But the nice thing is people can get your movie on demand. So it's wherever you get your movies, iTunes, Amazon. It's called Opening Act. It is a great film. Uh, I am so glad I got a chance to reconnect you with my friend. Best Love of luck. you, Adam. Love you too, my friend. Best of luck to you and, and best to you and your family. You be well. I'll see you in St. Louis for some more milkshakes, okay? I hope so. <laughs> all right. Sounds good, buddy. The ADD interview was brought to you by CruiseIntoWellness.com. CruiseIntoWellness.com for all your CBD needs. Now, let's say you're trapped under a trailer while a couple above you is having sex and you don't know what to do. Can I hold the camera? It's going to cause you some anxiety. So why don't you do what I do? Take one of the gummies they have at CruiseIntoWellness.com. And you know they also have edibles, tinctures, pain creams, bath products, pet products. And what do you get? You get 20% off with the coupon code ADAM. 20% off anything they have at cruiseintowellness.com. Go, feel better. My name is Steve Byrne. That is 30 minutes. I'll never get back. I really like catching up with my pal. Yeah. Uh, you know, we never have milkshakes when we hang out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll be honest, I didn't plan to have a milkshake with him. It's just that it's what was open in St. Louis. But yeah. if you're good, I'll take you for milkshakes, and we will take pictures with Furbies. <laughs> Furbies. Please. Well, I like the fact that you guys met up. I think, I think it, you know, on the road is sometimes very lonely, and you guys had each other. It's yeah, cool. it was cool. I was glad he reached out to me. Yeah, the road will beat you up. That's why I love the line, uh, the, the tagline for the movie. You've mm -hmm. been to a comedy club. You've never been on the road. Yeah. I've never been on the road, so I can't imagine how tough that is. I mean, 
it's hard enough for me to drive over to the Arlington Draft House from here (laughs) for my five minute set. You guys are, you know, on the road all the time. That's got to be brutal. Yeah, but but it is because you're alone. You're by yourself and and, and you learn the things. Like one of the things I said in the interview is never go to a party if you don't have your way home because you'll be stranded somewhere. All (laughs) kinds of wacky shit's going to happen to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you do have rules. Yeah, on the road and and ways. You know, they they have a routine. I've noticed. Yeah, the road the road is it becomes the same thing, and and you know what it's like. What he said, but it's like what Cedric the Entertainer said. What's worse than the late one Friday? The third one on Saturday. Like, oh, oh. god. Oh man. <laughs> I remember when I remember when I will. Wait a minute. I don't have to do this. Put it in the contract. <laughs> Put it in the contract. <laughs> I just wish I could. When I invent my time machine, I'm not going back to meet the Beatles. Mm. I want to go back to the cafeteria and catch your nooner with you and Kevin. Oh, God. It was so terrible. <laughs> Hit that. Thanks, Alex. We were driving up and uh, in the snowstorm, and it was, it was Super Bowl Sunday. We pulled over on the side of the road to hear Jack Buck's call of Scott Norwood's wide right. I that's had, where you were? That's where we you- were. <laughs> Wow. On the side of the New York Thruway in a shitty Hyundai Elantra, yeah. listening to a radio signal. But at least you got the payoff of going to play the, do the nooner at a college. That had to make it all worthwhile, right? No. No, it didn't make it all worthwhile at all. It was a terrible show. He showed up. They didn't, they didn't want to see you. They have to spend the entertainment money to get it back the next year. They're like, ah, we got an extra eight hundred. Let's get these two clowns <laughs> at noon. The yeah, end. These idiots. Oh god, that is the worst. You ever do a breakfast show? No. Oh my god, I did a breakfast show at eight o'clock in the morning. And the lady was like, "Dick Clark is bringing you on." I was like, "Okay," and that. And I get there, and uh, so and he doesn't show up. She goes, "Dick Clark didn't show up. He's not. He's not going to bring you on." I went, "Oh man!" So I start slamming Dick Clark, like all these mm-hmm. Dick Clark jokes, you know, twenty thousand dollar pyramid, the, the the hair dye, everything, everything I could pull out, and I'm bombing. I am. I mean, they're not getting anything. So I finally get him back, and then after the show, the lady pays me, and I go, she, she goes, "That was great." I go, "Yeah, the Dick Clark jokes didn't work." She goes, "Yeah, we didn't get those," and I'm like, "Well, what do you mean?" She goes, "Well." Dick Clark, $20,000. She goes, oh, not that Dick Clark. It was just some guy named Dick Clark. <laughs> like they the call CEO. Me Richard. Yeah, the CEO of the company was named Dick. Well, you can't just say Dick yeah. Clark's bringing you on. You got to preface that with not not the Dick Clark. Yeah, not that Dick Clark. That that should be the guy's name. Hi, I'm Dick Clark, not that Dick Clark. That should be his <laughs> name. <laughs> I mean, the, the odds are already against it. It's 8 o'clock in the morning. They're eating eggs. Yeah. Don't throw another freaking curveball at yeah. me. And I tried, to be, I tried to be positive about the gig, too. I really did. I was like, oh, you know what? I'll work on some new stuff here. No, they don't want to hear nothing. <laughs> I'm standing Uh-oh. next to the dishes where they throw the silverware in. <laughs> they don't want to hear anything. I worked hard. I, I wrote it all out by hand in my notebook because that's how I work. Well, <laughs> I actually like that about you, Adam. What? Because they say, like, when you're writing, it's very physical. It's a physical. Yeah, it, fe- thing it, fe- you do. it feels more like I'm doing something. It, it puts more, to me, it puts more weight to what I'm doing. Yeah, you know? it's like more thoughtful. Yeah, I have a, I got these little, I got these, I found these little cheap varsity fountain pens I like, and I write in yes, notebooks. Yes, I know. They're all over the house, Adam. They're all over the house, <laughs> and don't touch them. All the highlighters, <laughs> all your pens. I got highlighters. I got notebooks. all kinds. I got these workstations. I go up. Oh! The muse is upon me. <laughs> I need you know, a notebook. 
we could open up and, and have an exhibit. That's right. I feel a dick joke coming on. <laughs> Goodness. <laughs> I tried to get Phil. I tr Phil, I tried to get you to write. I bought you I bought you a journal. I bought you a pen. I go, here, try this. Uh, It'll work. And you just went, my Uncle Meatloaf taught me how to write, and my hand hurts when I hold a pen now. First of all, it's Uncle Beef. And secondly, I can't write the way you write. I just, I write on stage. I come up with an idea, record it on my phone. I go over to his house, Mark. He's got charts and blackboards, all kind of different colored index cards. I'm like, what is this? My act. What? He goes, this is the theme. This is the theme of the act. He's like, what's, what's your theme? My theme is, uh, I don't want a day job. That's my theme. That's my theme. I, I don't want a regular job, okay? He's got a beginning, a middle, and an end. This is the beginning. You know, my beginning is, how you doing, everybody? That's my beginning. <laughs> <laughs> Night is the end. Everything else is the middle. But, yeah, I admire it. I mean, it's, uh, I, I, it is. It's an art. Adam, it it's very Hitchcockian. What is? <laughs> very Hitchcockian? Yeah, that's how he directed. He would have storyboards, and he would show the actors, mm -hmm. and that's how he wanted the scene to, you know, to take place. Right. And look at all the movies. You can watch them over and over. Yeah. They're classics. All right, good. So poo-poo on that. Good. So, right. We have the Hitchcock. That's what I'm calling you from now on. Hitchcock. <laughs> see, we, see, me and Alfred have the same process, and he's made far more friggin' money than I have. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, it's, what I'm saying is I like the fact that you do it kind of old school. Yeah, it's it's always worked for me. Even like we're in therapy and stuff, journaling and stuff, writing mm -hmm. longhand has has always worked for me. Yeah, it, it it just it gives it gets it out so I can see it and then organize it and then it goes into the computer. Mm -hmm. And th that's the least favorite part that I have is is that I actually have you know what I have? I have big draft paper because I saw my father would 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 uh, do uh, these prospective drawings to sell these kitchens and bathrooms to people. This is what it's going to look like. So I just mm -hmm. remember him as a kid with this big draft paper. So when I really need an idea and I really need to organize my thoughts and give myself some structure so I'm not going crazy, I get a big piece of draft paper, I put it on the table, and I map everything out. Then I get an X-Acto knife, and I cut those pieces out, those thoughts out, and then I stack them in the order I want them to be in. And now I, that's how I – it's cutting and pasting before cutting and pasting. I'm doing it with a knife and some tape. This, yeah. this is the rantings of a lunatic. I don't think Hitchcock ever did that. You know why? Hitchcock had a staff and a budget. Uh, it kind of sounds like you're going to war with that. That's right. Yeah. We're going to take this hill. Today is the day when ordinary men will be called upon to do extraordinary things. <laughs> that's not me. That's Dwight D. Eisenhower. Okay. <laughs> I love listening to you and Steve talk, and I can't wait to see this movie. Mm -hmm. The thing I love most that he said about you was when he talked about your act and the riffing with the audience. And the fact it's never like we was talking about the other guys like Jeff Ross or, or Norton, whatever, who like can really go dark. You had this positive thread throughout it. And that, I, I see that come out when you're riffing with the crowd because mm -hmm. that's just I mean, I don't know how many times I've seen your act and I, it always entertains me. But the part where I love the most is where you go off script. And I don't know. I, I just think that that's like found money. And it always just thrills me to death to see that happen. Yeah. Th those are the best moments for me, Mark. You know why? Because I'm not thinking. It's just coming through me. And it's it's like what Billy said. I'm there to make them laugh. I'm just, you know, you're just the prism the light goes through. No, it's powerful. I'm not trying to kiss butt like Mark. Right. <laughs> <laughs> But, but. I, do, I do have to say that I am a pretty good critic, I think. Mm -hmm. And I've seen your shows. And each show, I've never not been satisfied. You oh, know, they're not good. the yeah. same. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Kiss ass. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> I think I think if I can have a sincere moment, Mr. Ferrara. Yes. Okay. You and I have done a lot of things together where we've written things based on your act mm-hmm. and or one of the specials you're putting together about your dad or whatever it was. I admire I've always admired your ability, you know, to go up like we talked, we goofed around about the third show on Saturday. You know, you just stuck to your guns, even if the crowd wasn't there because they were drunk or whatever, because you knew we had a goal that we had to write something mm-hmm. about your act. And you just kept going. You you, you didn't you never deviated. And I, I admired that because you know, some of those like late night crowds, I was like, you know what? Just abandon, just abandon the idea and have fun. But you didn't. You stay. You stay. I don't know how you do it, but you stay on that railroad track and you, you know, you may deviate a little bit, but you get right back on the track. Yeah, I was pl- well. I was because pl- because we were working. I was playing for the tape. I said we'll listen to the tape afterwards, and we'll listen to right. that. But then Marcus, I I remember because we were we were writing something. We had a deadline. It might have been one of my specials. Then when we got to the end and we finished the agenda of what I went on stage with. Then mm-hmm. I turned to the audience and I went, yep, "I've been yep. up here thirty minutes dancing." <laughs> <laughs> yep. Because I had work to do. <laughs> yep. Yep. Now you just can't leave. Oh, now we're getting into it. <laughs> yeah, now you just can't leave. Now That's we're getting into it. You, you're chewing yeah. ice. You're a grown ass man chewing ice. <laughs> That's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, oh, I, I had great. so much fun catching up with my pal Steve. The movie's called Opening Act. Uh, you can get it on demand. Uh, honey, if they want to get a hold of us, where do they go? The Adam Ferrar at Gmail. If you got time to leave us a review, it always helps us with our friends. Mr. Algorithm. The show's growing. It's because of you, boys and girls. Thank you so much. Tell somebody you love about the show. Or if you don't like the show, tell somebody you hate. It's a good way to piss them off. Please remember, <laughs> life is hard. Take it easy on yourself. The pod has ended. Go in peace. The guy behind the counter laughing his ass off. Call yeah. him. He's like, here, throw him this barbecue. See if he can yeah, get yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not that one. Throw him the big one. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.